Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. And now, it's the rest stop with Brad Restituto. Come on! Welcome to the rest stop on this Thursday. Yes, I am Brad the Believer, and with me is Spencer the Wiz for another rest stop edition live every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time. And Spence, I went ahead and garbed my uh, Halloween mask here as we're two days away from Halloween in a pandemic 2020, which I don't know what that means for trick or treaters around the United States and around the world, but. Uh, Still in the spirit of Halloween, I've donned my mask, Spencer the Wiz. Spence, what do you usually uh, like to partake in in Halloween? Are you a Halloween guy yourself? Uh, no, uh, not exactly. I usually, actually, the past two Halloweens, I've been working, and I, this will be very similar. Well, I have school, so uh, I remember as a kid, I just, I mean, I enjoyed like candy and stuff, of course. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was never one of the things I kind of circled on my calendar of like, this is, this is it. This is where I wait all year. Much more of a Thanksgiving guy myself. Well, Thanksgiving's right around the corner. And uh, look, if you miss any part of the show live, make sure that you search any of your podcasting platforms on your way to work, on your way home, on your way to sleep, whatever you're doing. Uh, make sure you go to Audio Boom, Google Podcasts, Spotify, search Landry Football Conference Call. And then, of course, under there will be the rest stop. Spence, it's another Thursday, so we'll have our pick segment. And you've been killer this year at right around 60%. So we uh, anticipate having a guest picker on tonight to take you on, Spence. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit later. And we've got some things in the world of sports that we're getting to tonight. And let's start it off, Spence, with the Thursday night game. In Carolina, the Panthers' divisional matchup taking on the Atlanta Falcons. And the Falcons finally get a win spent, and they don't blow it in the fourth quarter. They hang on and get the 25-17 victory tonight. Their defense hangs on at the end. Spence, what were your thoughts on the Falcons getting their second win in the season? Yeah, I, I've really been a fan of the Falcons all season. While they're not great defensively overall, they actually have pretty darn talented players. Uh, Dante Fowler Jr., I'm a fan of. He's been kind of a travel guy. Started out with the Jaguars, had a season-ending injury to start his rookie season. He ended up leaving, going to the Rams, was pretty good. And once again, getting to the pass rush. Deion Jones is a premier pass rusher in this league. I also really like A.J. Terrell from Clemson. So, And then we know what they can do offensively. I mean, you have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and all these talented tight ends and uh, the kid from Alabama as well, Calvin Ridley. This is a this should be a playoff team. Unfortunately, or not because of how bad and how long they waited for Dan Quinn to get fired. If they have done this earlier in the season, they'd probably be around five hundred right now, looking to take that extra wild card spot. At least in my opinion. Well, they're they're going to take themselves out of the race uh, for one of those top three picks if they keep winning games. Um, Matt Ryan wasn't flashy tonight in his statistics. He had no touchdown passes. Uh, one interception. He was 21 to 30. Nice percentage. 281 yards. And Julio Jones had 137 yards receiving on seven catches. And as a total, the Atlanta Falcons ran the ball 36 times for 131 yards. Not mind-blowing numbers, but they get the win. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater was banged up in this game. 
Uh, in the second half, he was hit after he kind of on a QB scramble was tripped up. Um, and he was out for about a series and a half before he came back in. Uh, the Carolina Panthers rushed 22 times for 147 yards. But we were talking about Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers, Spence, really hot. And uh, now they've lost lost three straight. And it looks like they're going to need Christian McCaffrey back. So you mentioned it. You talked about it uh, for quite some time about them falling back down to the medium. And you were right. Three in a row they've dropped now. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, just talk about that for a second. They basically did it one week after I had – originally thought they would look I like Matt Rule I think he's a good coach and everything like that but they were overachieving for sure and it wasn't something I expected to see going forward especially because they're going to start playing some better teams and they really caught the Falcons at a bad time uh, who are actually gaining momentum on the season they'll probably end around seven and nine wins that's my prediction so I think they're going to continue to win games moving forward and I think they'll be okay you know I I think this is also probably a six-win Panthers team like I predicted early in the season but, you know, they'll be able to carry that in the offseason. We'll see what they can get around Teddy Bridgewater. You know, they've had overachievers at the receiver position. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we all know you kind of need star power. And that comes from Christian McCaffrey. So that's where the rest of their six wins will come in later in the season. Right? I guess they need three more to get to that mark. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what they come up to. I'm not actually looking to fade against them every single week. I mean, I bet them last week and they covered against the Saints. So I still like them in certain spots. It's really just week to week uh, dependent. It's probably the same for all teams. You can say that, but it seems specific for them. Yeah, uh, Spence, not the most exciting game tonight uh, by two teams that probably do not have playoff aspirations, but it was worth the price of admission, not only to watch live, but to watch on TV to see if the Falcons had another blunder late in the fourth quarter. They found another way to lose. This time they decided to hang on, um, and it's a nice win. Two out of three now for Raheem Morris as the interim head coach after Dan Quinn was fired. And the players, of course, you know, they don't go out there. They're playing for their jobs week in and week out. Players don't tank. Organizations do. And the Falcons probably feel pretty good about getting a win tonight. Moves them to two and six on the season. And I believe that's three and five for the Panthers now, Spence. So um, as they had a nice little start there early when Christian McCaffrey was out because of injury, they've now dropped three straight. Uh, Spence, let's hit some basketball news that, that came down here in the last 24 hours. Let's start in Philadelphia where Daryl Morey was not unemployed very long as he is now – the head of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. So you got Doc Rivers as their head coach. You also have uh, Elton Brand as the GM, and now Daryl Morey running basketball operations. Uh, of course, the hot-button topics are going to be making some splash trades in Philadelphia. Do the two big men, Simmons and, and Embiid, stay together? What do the Sixers do to maneuver some pieces around to find themselves representing the East in the finals next year because it's still an open conference. If the Miami Heat can get there, Spence, there's no reason that Philadelphia 76ers can't make a few moves and find themselves right in contention. Two years ago, they were one terrible bounce away from being in the finals if it weren't for that crazy corner three by Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, no, you said it. And the East is extremely easy. Well, you know, Miami's okay for sure. They would have never made the finals in the West. They probably wouldn't have been made it out of the first round, if not the second round. So the opportunity for sure is there. You know, for Daryl Morley, it comes down to two decisions as he he's made uh, overall at his time, and that's the trade for Robert Covington and the trade uh, for Russell Westbrook. Those are the two his two kind of defining to me trades. Now the one for Covington was fantastic. To be honest with you, I don't remember what they gave up. And he was a he's a great two way player. He fit in their system. I don't blame Daryl Morley Morey overall for what happened in Houston, where that's just like the three or nothing ball. That's where coaching and it kind of snowballed upon itself, where it's like, oh, we're playing small ball, and then over time it was like we're only playing small ball. And Daryl kind of worked off of that and was like, okay. That's what we're going with. I will make the trades to make that happen. Now, the second trade is this Westbrook trade. It was completely wrong. He was not. He was never going to be the, the person to kind of get them over the hump. Now, I know you have these relationship problems with Chris Paul that were starting to develop, you know, some locker room issues. But I would say what they gave up for him was not worth it. I mean, Russell Westbrook's pretty old, right? And he just thought, 
he doesn't fit in high volume systems. He needs to make, he needs to find a way to get more value out of his shots versus let me put up 27 a game, you know, when they did very often. So are we going to get the Daryl that gets the Robert Covington trade done? Are we going to get the one that does something stupid and goes too big and misses like with Russell Westbrook? I don't know, but Really, the 76ers, uh, they have a lot of issues. He's going to have, he's going to make a lot of moves because they're just way too athletic now and they have no skill, like basically whatsoever, outside of Joel Embiid. I mean, it's not a bad place to put your chips in. Like, he was basically one of the premier guys and he went there quick. Clearly, he was sold on what Philadelphia is doing. I mean, Doc Rivers himself went there very quickly after being let go by the Clippers. So I don't know what they were feeding them in their, you know, there must have been some great donuts or whatever during these pitch meetings. But they got the two guys, Philadelphia got the two guys that they want, and we'll see what they can do with it. There's no reason they can't make the finals next year if he makes the right moves. Now, is Daryl Morey, Elton Brand, and Doc Rivers a combination of guys that is going to get Ben Simmons to actually shoot the three in the game? Because I'd be pushing if I was these guys to have him at least attempt between two and five threes per game mandatory. Because Spence, if he can knock down just one or two of those and show a little bit of danger from three-point range, it's going to open up the floor that much more because they're going to have to come out on him a little bit, and he's going to be able to open up that game and open up the floor more in his passing. And we know how dynamic he can be there, and he can already get to the rim with the best of them. So I think it's imperative that Ben Simmons not only continue to work on his shot but actually start firing three-point shots in the game, at least two to five per game, and can Doc Rivers bring that out of him? Yeah, I mean, technically, the connection is Daryl was the guy, a part of that Houston three team. So it's just he's a he's the president of basketball operations. It doesn't I don't think he's going to have too much influence on the court in terms of what Ben Simmons should or shouldn't do. So really, the responsibility falls on Doc Rivers. And if you look at a Doc Rivers offense, it's fairly conservative. I'm just trying to think of any player that maybe took more threes than they were used to. Paul George, maybe, but. They play different positions, so I really don't see Doc Rivers pushing him to do it that much. Now he is an experienced coach, so if that was like something that was real, he was really focused on in the offseason, and he and he immediately goes to Ben Simmons. That's something you have to start working on right now. And even if he does start taking threes, I don't. People think it's so easy to take threes and make them in the NBA just because everyone does it now. But if you look at the statistics, I mean, it takes time to develop it. LeBron James took you know th- probably a good three years before he became a reliable three point shooter. So if it's something they're going to do, it's something they got to start getting in the gym and working out now so he can shoot around 32, 33%. If he can get one, if he can hit one out of his every three, that definitely propels him in the finals because he's just so skilled in all other things on the court in terms of the way he's influenced the game. Very reminiscent of LeBron James, in my opinion, if he could have that jump shot, but the way he plays defense, the way he rebounds, the way he's able to be effective in the post, it puts him above so many other players, especially in the East. Spent some more news that came down here in the last 24, 48 hours. Houston, we're talking about Daryl Morey leaving Houston. Well, Houston filled their head coaching position. Steven Silas, uh, I believe that's Paul Silas's son, correct me if I'm wrong, gets the nod in Houston. They're going young there. And uh, what direction do you think Houston wants to go now with Steven Silas uh, as the head coach? And what do you think about this fit and the Rockets going young? Yeah, it's interesting. I'll say that. I, I mean, I'll reserve my, my opinion on him because I really don't have like a, a definitive one saying he's good or he's bad. But I don't know. I, I, I To me, this means that they're moving on. The new GM who replaced Maury, who was like basically underneath him, I forget the guy's name, unfortunately, but he says he like... the guy from Toronto? Uh, the... the... So I'm not sure who it is. We'll have to look that up. Yeah, but he he uh he's new at the position, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. But he, he basically came out and said that he doesn't plan on blowing up the roster. A young head coach hiring, to me, signals that they're looking to move on from whatever they have going on now. Now, whether or not they can do that is a completely other question. I, You know, do you move on from James Harden? Like, wow, that would be the trade of the past decade. They're going to try to move on from Westbrook, obviously. I mean, it's only been, I guess, a year. But... His contract's just massive. There's no flexibility on the roster. It didn't work out. Now they have to, this guy's going to have to implement a whole new system. And to do that, he's going to have to get some new players. They have no big men on the roster, mind you. This is a project I would never consider taking on. And it almost, it almost sounds crazy to say out loud because they've been in the playoffs and they've been in the mix every single season for the past like three years. But 
we we know, I mean, anybody who watches basketball as an analyst know that they have no chance of making the conference finals with the way the roster is uh, currently made up. Now, it may have been possible three years ago when it's not so top-heavy and you don't have the Clippers and Lakers running around, and it really just comes down to the Warriors in a way, and the Nuggets, I guess, you have to uh, mention as well. But now it's too competitive. The Golden State Warriors are going to be back in some capacity, so they're not you're not going to be able to run over the 7 and 8 seed anymore. Dallas is still very good. The Lakers and Clippers are clearly, to me, uh, above every other team, even though the Clippers fell apart. And then you have the Nuggets. They're going to have to do a lot, and I don't think it's going to happen in one season. I, they're obviously going to make the playoffs. They have that much talent on there. It's just going to be a big project. So, Spence, it's Raphael Stone, who is the uh, promoted GM within the Rockets organization, and he's got uh, some playing background in college and also some legal background as uh, he's an attorney. So uh, some of the reports I'm reading uh, from people here is, is Raphael Stone's a great communications guy. And uh, he's an excellent negotiator. So he's looking to bring a little bit of a different style to the GM position in Houston, taking over for Daryl Morey. Uh, Spence, I want to get into an article that ESPN's uh, senior writer, Baxter Holmes, wrote. Uh, and it's titled Election 2020, How Sports, and Own- How Sports Owners Hide Political Donations from Players and Fans. And what interests me about this article is you've talked on this show and we've talked about some of the uh, social matters that the players and some other people uh, have kind of what what they've done as far as social justice, LeBron James and, and some other players and leagues, leagues as a whole, Spence, how they've. Um, kind of worn the shirts, the WNBA, uh, the Breonna Taylors, the Black Lives Matter, um, very outspoken. And the owners, of course, write the checks and kind of stay in the background when it comes to stuff like this. Um, But what this article really talked about is kind of the communication behind the scenes with owners to owners and different people in important positions and kind of how – you know, they have their opinions, but they, they kind of prefer to be anonymous. And, and Spence, you, you mentioned something to me before uh, we got on the air tonight about it's their money. They can do what they want. And I think some of their decisions that they would like to make and donations that they make privately uh, would definitely conflict a lot of their player stances politically where they stand. Does that mean anything? I don't know. Uh, but it is quite interesting, the pull that some of these owners may have by donating millions and millions of dollars and how can they, how they can really actually change things on the ground floor by maybe just a phone call or something like that. If you really dig in behind the curtain, it's quite the interesting article and it's quite the interesting thing to think about, about really the influence that some of these billionaire owners may have. Um, we know in, in, in pop culture and music, Meek Mill uh, was in prison for a while. Robert Kraft, made a couple phone calls, met with him a couple times. Next thing you know, it's like uh, Meek Mill's out. I'm not saying he was directly involved, but I know that owners like Robert Kraft and others have huge influence uh, when it comes to getting things done, not only on a sports level, but on a cultural level, on a human level, on a social level. It's uh, it's an interesting article and, and uh, you can really take it a number of different ways. Uh, I know you said, Spence, that uh, it doesn't matter how they spend their money, but I think if some of the players, um, you know, were uh, were privy to this more closely, uh, they may publicly speak out more on this. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to – I'm not saying you're beating around the bush or anything, but I'll be, I'll be very direct. I mean, this is what I've said all along. You know, I I think a lot of this political stuff is a facade, (laughs) in my opinion. Uh, You know, these guys come out and say this and say that and they're outraged and all that kind of stuff. But they care more about their money than they do about social justice. And once again, I'll say this again. I don't I think that's fine. They're allowed to not care. Every American's allowed to not care. You're supposed to be able to live your life and do whatever you want. It's just the problem I have with 
oh, we have to put these political statements on the back of our jerseys and all that kind of stuff. It's like, and you stop the season, and that was a powerful message. But when you do nothing about it, and you just go back and collect your game checks, and you still say it's about you, the message and stuff, and then it, and then nothing, the message is just completely lost by the time the finals come around. You look stupid to me. You look stupid, and this looks—it's this is exactly it. We know the owners are per, predominantly Republican because Republicans, generally speaking favor taxes and donald trump made a flat tax line for corporations which was great for some people the big corporations it was really good for i I just don't understand i mean i guess part of it is i guess people are shocked and everything like that to me it's just nothing surprises me about this we it's something that's basically public knowledge and i don't know i wish people would just see it a little more like i don't know it's it's kind of hard to talk about i guess but yeah, I don't think they actually care about social justice. I don't think any of the leaks do it. It's all all these donations and stuff. It's just for tax breaks and stuff, you know? No, absolutely. So, Spence, I think we're both in agreement that um, the owners don't really care. Uh, but what, what about the players? How do you think – what do you think their response would be or is to all this? Or are they also a majority uh, kind of putting on a facade with their social justice? I mean, LeBron James's social justice tweets are usually sponsored. <laughs> the show that I had hosted, I, I pulled up the one about Lyft and I compared it to the commercial that Michael Jordan did uh, with McDonald's. They're being paid to say a lot of this stuff. And I'm not saying that all of them are like that. Obviously, they're all individuals. Some of them, it's really important to them. But I will say this, that they care more about basketball than they do about self-justice. All of them, not just LeBron James, who I called out, because they go and collect their game checks. All of them have enough money to live the, the rest of their lives, for the most part. You know, Obviously, the, the deeper bench guys don't, but every single star in the league has enough money that they don't have to work another day in their life. So it's it shouldn't be about the money. If they really cared, they'd just quit, and they would do everything about it. There, there have been athletes in history who have done that have made sacrifices these guys have made no sacrifices other than staying in a disney hotel to make money away from their families and then you find out a lot of them are stinking girls in their room and they're also married i mean that, then we start getting into a lot different topic but yeah that's kind of my overall opinion on it spence uh we'll transition out of this and in college football some news came down today that's i don't know if it's shocking because nothing's really shocking in 2020 but uh definitely some ear-perking news in the world of college football. Number one ranked Clemson and future number one overall pick bearing anything catastrophic. Trevor Lawrence tests COVID positive and is going to miss probably this upcoming week and who knows how much time he may miss in the future. But COVID positive, and we don't know how many other players or coaches on the Clemson football team have also tested positive, but pretty shocking news coming out of uh, Clemson's football camp today with the Trevor Lawrence news. Yeah, and first of all, it's terrible. Anytime anyone gets COVID-19, I, I think it's tragic. But, you know, we talked about this for the show. There's no doubt that he's the most popular kid on campus. They shouldn't be on campus, any of these football players, in my opinion, to go to classes. You're basically just asking them to get COVID-19 at some point. It's just sad. I, I hate it. And hopefully he makes a full recovery and there's nothing, there's no issues long-term for his career because if, if his career is somehow stunted by this i mean it's completely on the hands of the ncaa this kid is uber talented he had really no reason to play this season he did it because he loves football and we we talked about this long before the season started in that every kid had the choice whether to play the season or not play the season number one i'll say Every kid's going to say yes because they're 18 years old and they want to make the NFL. Number two, if you're a fringe first-round player and you don't play this season, you're probably not going to go in the first round. And to that, and to back that up, that statement, let's look at um, the center, uh, Robinson, who plays for the New York Knicks, a guy who was supposed to go in the lottery, who took a year off. He did work out. It's not like he was doing nothing. He, he's a great center in the NBA now. I mean, not great. He's very good. He's very talented, very deserving of a top 10 pick where he should have been. But because he didn't play, he didn't go in the first round. And that could mean a lot of things for every player in the NCAA. Whether you're a fourth round pick, they may take you out of the draft completely. 
or may make you a seventh round pick and you're probably going to get cut week one. So really there was no choice to play or not play to me. So, and this are the side effects. Teams are going to get COVID-19. We saw with the Gators and now it's happening in Clemson, Alabama got it. It's not going to stop anytime soon. And it's happening again in the NFL. Yeah, Spence, we, you can't really avoid it. And, and none of the sports have avoided it. I, I would just say, say, except for maybe a little bit in the NHL and in basketball, but we still had some positive tests inside the bubble. I don't think we did, um, but it's hard to put NFL and college football in a bubble. They can't really do it at this point. Maybe they can do a postseason bubble, uh, but we really haven't heard much talk of that lately. So you, you've talked about it a lot, Spence, leading up to this point college football and the liability and, and putting young people at risk. And it's going to be a tough thing to manage on that level with, with uh, teenage guys and, you know, teenage men, it's going to be tough to handle it. And it's unfortunate news for Trevor Lawrence. And like you said, we hope that he doesn't have any lasting effects. Uh, We've seen so many guys and athletes be asymptomatic. Uh, Nick Saban apparently tested positive Spence and he was back on the field uh, in less than a few days. And then it came out that this was a, a false positive. So who knows? We've really got to take this a day at a time with Trevor Lawrence. So we'll keep our eyes peeled to how that story uh, transpires. Spence on Tuesday's show, we went live right after the World Series. Uh, the Dodgers finished off game six and won three to one against the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, and we talked a little bit about the move that Kevin Cash made pulling Blake Snell. Well, of course, we were the first ones uh, to talk on live radio because we went live literally right after the game or one of the first, I would say. Uh, But clearly you've been the talking point since then, since we were on, is this decision that Kevin Cash made to pull Blake Snell. And of course the Dodgers have came out and and they they are saying it gave them all the momentum uh, that Blake Snell was on fire, uh, more than likely would have shut them out. Uh, Of course, we don't know how that would have played out. Uh, but Spence, I'll, if you can pull the video from uh, ESPN and Tim Kirkshen really uh, talking passionately, passionately about the move Kevin Cash made pulling Blake Snow. About our game, we have lost the feel for the game. We have stopped watching the games in this postseason. Relief pitchers threw more innings than our starting pitchers threw. We have lost the value of our starting pitchers. There is no way that a guy who faced 18 batters tonight, struck out nine of them, had one hard-hit ball, should be taken out. Nick Anderson is a great relief pitcher. He allowed one inherited run the whole season, but he allowed three in the postseason, and he set a major league record for most postseason appearances in a row, allowing a run. Seven, he's not the same guy. We have stopped watching the game, and Kevin Cash is going to get killed for this and rightfully so, but it's the front office of the Rays and the front office everywhere that has lost track of how the game should be played. I'm sorry. I give up. This is too much now. But Yeah, Spence, uh, that's some pretty intense words by Tim Kirkchen, but look, I, I know we may be on different sides and we don't know how it would have played out, but when you really look at it, uh, it doesn't seem like that the timing was there. I mean, he only gave up one hit in that inning, and he was pitching well. He was only at 70-something pitches. Um, and it, costing the Rays a chance at a Game 7 in the World Series. That's so theoretical. We're talking about, in theory, he stays in the game. In theory, he gives up no hits because it was only 1-1 game. Keep in mind, it's not like the guy who came in blew this giant lead that they had somehow. And to th- I also say... Well, if he took him out and they won the game one nothing, he looks like a genius. Everyone would be saying, oh, he made the right move. So just because it didn't work out for him, I don't think he should be lambasted, especially like that, like he just did. Like, that's crazy to me. We don't watch the game. What is that? He- what are you speaking to on, on that front? This is, I bet you that decision has been made numerous times throughout the history of baseball. It's, just now you can criticize him because it didn't work out. I do not agree with that at all. Spence, very passionate uh, about that take there. Um, and it, it's hard to argue, Spence. You have a good point. Kirkchen has a good point. Uh, I think both sides have a great point. And I don't really think either party's wrong because you make uh, an excellent perspective there. If it doesn't go that way, we're not even having this conversation. But since it did, there's got to be a scapegoat, and Kevin Cash looks like that guy. Now, I'm on Kirkshire's side, Spence. I don't think you take out the hot hand. 
uh, as hot as he was, lefty, especially going against Betts, who wasn't that great against lefties during the season. I thought it was a, a really poor judgment move, but we'll never know how it would have played out if Snell stayed in the game. The World Series is over. Dodgers are champions, and we can all do it. Hindsight's 50-50. Unfortunately, we can't go and replay it with Snell in there, and the result's the result. The Rays couldn't muster enough offense, and uh, they gave a gallant effort, but they fell in six games, and the Dodgers were more deep and more talented, and they ended up uh, getting the job done. Spence, I've got to ask you, do you want to hit your rant before or after our pick segment? I can do it now because it it is uh, related to football, so it would be a decent segue into it. All right, let's do it. This really pisses me off. Yeah, I'm here to address the elephant in the room. Brad has no idea what I'm about to talk about. And it's commercials that have been airing during every football game so far this season, or most of them, at least recently. It's Rocket Mortgage. I got a bone to pick with them. Their commercials are so off base, they make no sense. And it's not presented as a joke. So let me run through two commercials that I've seen from Rocket Mortgage. Scene number one, they're in a very expensive house. It's like a $500,000 house right away. So... Very much unattainable for the average person, without a doubt. Now, what the scene does, they're playing football in the house. And I guess Larry Fitzgerald's there. And he's like, you can't play football in the house. So his solution for not playing football in the house is to just sell your home and buy a bigger house. What does that even mean? How? What average person can just be like, you know what? I would love to play football in my house. Let's just buy something else. Let's just uppity of ourselves and just go to a new home that's bigger and more expensive. That's commercial number one. That's the least ridiculous of them. Scene number two. This is commercial number two. Larry Fitzgerald's in it as well. There's a guy in his living room with a TV that's too big for the living room. Once again, this is a major, big house, probably $500,000, wherever it is. And he, he sits too close to the TV. Larry Fitzgerald's suggestion, big surprise. Buy a bigger house. Instead of downsizing your television, selling it, and buying a cheaper TV, no, you should just buy another house. What who's what are these commercials really targeted for? It's not funny to me. I think they're being serious. I can't believe this. It blows my mind that they actually air these and are serious about it. I don't know how you, I don't know if you've seen them, and I don't know how you feel about them or if it bothers you as much as it bothers me, Brad. I don't know that I can recall this. I'm going to have to pay closer attention because I feel like I have seen Larry Fitzgerald in some commercials, uh, but it's not catching my memory as you're talking about it. But I'm going to keep my eyes peeled this weekend watching sports, and I'm going to make a note of it. And if I see it, uh, I'm going to rewind it on DVR, and I'm going to analyze that. And if I don't see it, I'm going to look it up on YouTube, and then we'll maybe have some feedback on the next show on Tuesday. That's good stuff, Spence. Uh, but without further ado, in the last half of the show, as we do every Thursday in this NFL 2020 season, me and Spencer the Wiz will pick each and every NFL game against the spread. Here we go. Anything you could do, I could do better. Ha! I can do anything better than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Anything you can be, I can be greater. Spence, with uh, some last-minute changes, it's just going to be me and you tonight to try to pad our rack, our record and uh, increase our percentage. Uh, let's st- and we're going to go with some William Hill lines again tonight. Let's start it off in Detroit, uh, the Indianapolis Colts and your man, old man Philip Rivers, traveling traveling to the Motor City to take on the Lions, who got a huge win last week in improbable fashion with zero time left on the clock. Uh, Matthew Stafford threw a touchdown pass to TJ Hawkins and the Lions are a three-point home underdog in this game. Spence, I'm going to ride the Lions. I think they're hot. I think uh, they've got some talent, even though they should have probably beat the Atlanta Falcons more convincingly than they did. I think they get an impressive win against a team fighting for their division against the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to say the Lions ride the momentum. I'm going to take them plus three. This is the game of the week for me, actually. This is the game I'm most interested in because it's it's a coin toss for me. And really what I'll say is I'm going to go with the Lions. And the reason I'll say that, it just like a few other games I've taken that have actually helped me cover, like the Washington Giants game, 
I'll take the Lions simply because I'm getting the plus points. I think it's going to be that close. There you go. So me and you are both on the Lions, huh? Yeah, I'm teetering on this one, but I do like the momentum. I actually think the Lions win this game and they lose momentum a little bit. I think they're a little too hot and they'll come down to earth. Uh, but I think this will be a big statement win for them. They'll go over 500, come back down, end up in that like nine and seven range overall. All right, Spence, divisional matchup, NFC North. Uh, the Vikings coming off their bye week, traveling to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Uh, the Packers currently sit as a six and a half point favorite in this matchup. I'll let you start this one off. Vikings, Packers, Packers. Minus six and a half. This feels like the trap game of the week, but I can also say that how can you have any confidence in the Vikings who have had some inspiring performances, notably against the Seahawks, a game that they lost, but a game that they shouldn't have been very close in. But to that, it really feels like the Seahawks are just that bad defensively as we've seen this season. The the Packers surely are not bad defensively. And the fact that you're avoiding the hooks, you get the six and a half. I like the Packers in this one. Spence, I'm with you. Uh, the Vikings this past week and their buy traded Yannick and Dockwe, the defensive end that they acquired um, six weeks earlier. Daniel Hunter, we know, uh, who initially had a tweak, has had neck surgery. He's out for the season. The Vikings have three-plus DBs that are starters that may not play this week. Uh, there's trade rumors about Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris. Uh, Dalvin Cook is questionable at this point. So the bright spots are Thielen, Cook, uh, the running game, and then rookie Justin Jefferson. That's not going to be enough for a very depleted defense uh, who is just – Aaron Rodgers should have his way. They should be able to run the ball. The Vikings have no health in the secondary. Uh, they're down an all-pro defensive – two all-pro defensive ends for the most part. They're down a starting linebacker. I don't really see any way that they'll be able to get Aaron Rodgers off the field. That being said, and us both being on the Packers, the Vikings will find a way to win this game. But we're both on the Packers in that one. Spence, uh, the next game will be in Buffalo, another divisional matchup. The New England Patriots traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Bills currently sit as a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and they got the win last week but not the cover in a game that was close for uh, almost 60 minutes, and the Bills ended up winning by eight against uh, the Jets, and the Patriots uh, got embarrassed at home to the 49ers. So this one's an interesting one to me, a division matchup. Uh, two really good head coaches in Belichick and McDermott. Uh, Bills three and a half. Spence, who do you like? I'm going to go Bills here. You know, before the season started, I thought the Patriots would be really bad and started off hot, but they're really coming down to earth now. They're just depleted. They don't really have a roster. Cam Newton's been forced to pass. He can't run the ball like they did week one. It's just his body physically can't handle it. Nobody's body can. Lamar Jackson's obviously a running quarterback, but he's learned how to get out of bounds and slide and, he doesn't take a lot of contact. Cam Newton invites it, and he knows that now, and he's been inaccurate. He says he has to be better. But the, if the, the team that you're going to get better against is probably not going to be the Buffalo Bills, who are very solid defensively. I like this line because it's built – like Bill Belichick is going to get close lines because of who he is. So I'm going to be, I think, for the most part, writing against the Patriots for a while until the sportsbook catches up and realizes that the Patriots really just aren't that good of a football team. Uh, Spence, on this one, I, I had a last-minute pitching change. Uh, initially, I was going to go Patriots, um, but seeing the Bills at home, I know they're a good home team. Uh, I, I flipped. I flipped last minute, and I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go Bills, minus three and a half. I think you're right about Belichick. I think that short number. I don't see why Josh Allen can't get back on track and the Bills, Stephon Diggs. Uh, you know, there's been some talk about trading Stephon Gilmore. And Cam Newton can't do it by himself. He needs help, and I don't know that he has that help on the offensive side. I'm going to also take the Bills minus the three and a half. Spence, I find this next game going to be interesting. Tennessee Titans, uh, who've had quite the last four weeks, sometimes playing three games uh, in a matter of ten, uh, they travel to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. The Bengals are five and a half point underdogs. Uh, can the Titans travel to Cincinnati and cover that number? Titans minus five and a half against Cincinnati. Where are you going there, Spence? I'm going to go to the Titans. I obviously bet against them uh, in the Steelers game, but. Spence, you cut out for a second, so so start over with who you like. Okay, yeah, I like the Titans in this one, and I went against them in the Steelers game, but it's just more indicative of how much I like the Steelers. Uh, We saw how much momentum the Titans had in that second half. I think they're able to carry that here, at least in the beginning of the game. And it's been proven that the Bengals are, you know, 
they're not that great. <laughs> I keep saying they're terrible. They keep proving to me again and again that they're a little better than terrible. But still, this is a very above-average Titans team who is very strict defensively, is able to tighten it up. That should be plenty to take on a Bengals team that just traded Carlos Dunlop. So they've already gotten – they're getting rid of some talent and everything like that. I'll take the Titans here. You know how much I like Joe Burrow. I've been on Cincinnati, uh, you know, a lot of weeks here. And and I think Joe Burrow is that much of a game changer. I think this matchup is not good for Cincinnati. I think the Titans are one of the best defensive teams that Cincinnati's faced all year. Um, I think they're going to have trouble. We saw the game that uh, Cincinnati got uh, beat handily in a few weeks ago against a team that was pretty solid defensively. I think the Titans will be able to control the clock. They'll be able to run up and down the field. Look, we saw how the Cleveland Browns ran the ball in two games against Cincinnati. You mentioned no more Dunlap. Derrick Henry should have his way. They'll be able to manipulate the play action game, Spence, uh, off Henry, and they'll be all, they'll be able to put up 35, maybe 40-plus in this game. I think the Titans win, and they win pretty easily, even though they're on the road there. Next matchup, Spence, the Raiders travel to Cleveland to take on your Browns. Uh, Browns sitting as a minus two and a half, uh, not quite a field goal favorite here. I'll start this one off, Spence. I like the Raiders here. Uh, I, I think the Raiders get the win outright. I think John Gruden is is the better head coach. I think he started off games fast, and they found ways to kind of not be competitive late. I think they get back on track here. I think they have some offensive linemen back, and I just think that they're more disciplined, and I think they're better than the Browns from top to bottom. I know the Browns have some flashy players, um, but they have not fared well against teams that are better coached and have an opportunity to be competitive. They've won a lot of close games. They blew out – or they didn't blow out, but they had a big lead and, and let close a Dallas team who I know they don't have Dak Prescott, but we know that they're very bad. Uh, so I think I, – and I said it weeks ago, Spence, not to buy into the Browns' hype. Uh, I don't think you should, and I think the Raiders win this game outright. There are two things that I key in on this game. It's the reason I'm going to take the Browns. The Browns have a great pass rush. I mean, Miles Garrett's going to have his way. I I think there might be some players coming back on the offensive line for the Raiders, but I don't think that's enough. There's not. We saw what they did on a short practice. I mean, they really did have most of their offensive line in that Tampa Bay game. It's just they didn't have the chance to actually you know suit up. So I think I get. I think they get manhandled at the line, and Derek Carr under pressure is one of the worst quarterbacks I can possibly imagine. And they're also really good at running the football. We have seen the Patriots of all teams ran all over the Raiders. And the you no know, Tampa Bay could have as well, but they just took advantage of one of the worst secondaries in the league. Baker Mayfield will just have to be average in this game to put up points because Kareem Hunt's probably going to have 120 yards and probably like 50 yards receiving. He's actually my running back player of the week. If you play daily football fantasy, I'm going to take the Browns here. I, I think they will. I think they win, and I'm sticking on track for my prediction that Marcus Mariota will start against the Chargers. Wow, that's a big prediction there, Spence. And that's the first game we're opposite on. So that's going to be one of the game changers to see how we do head-to-head this week. Next game in Arrowhead, the biggest line of the week, probably the biggest line in a few years. The Owen, what are they, Owen 7 now? New York Jets travel to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a 20-point favorite in this matchup. Spence, I don't know why I'm going to do it to myself, but uh, I'm going to go with the analysis that the Chiefs play down to their competition here. And uh, I think they get the win uh, 35-17. So it's a big win, but it's not enough to cover. Uh, 35-17. I'm going to take the Jets plus the 20. Yeah, I'll bring up some historical statistical data, which we talked about for the show. In 2013, the Broncos tied the biggest spread in NFL history, 28 points against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, in 2013. In that game, Jacksonville only lost by 17 points. They still would have covered this line. So I'm going to make the parallel here and say it's about the same thing. The Jets by no means are going to win this football game. They have to be able to keep it within 20. I think this is the first time I'm on the Jets this year, but I will take the Jets plus 20. Saying out loud even sounds crazy. And straight up, Spence, they're 13 to 1 underdogs in this matchup. So $1,000 would net you $13,000 if the Jets won outright. And Sam Darnold, uh, he's capable of pulling off a miracle, uh, and it would be quite the miracle in this game, but I think they get the cover. Spence, the Rams, they travel all the way east, farthest trip, to take on the Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa will get his first start 
as a rookie in this matchup. Uh, the Rams off of a Monday night win, short week, traveling west. Three and a half point favorites against Tua and the Dolphins at home. Spence, who do you like in this one? Rams minus three and a half. Yeah, I'm not really a big proponent on travel. Like the Raiders almost always have the highest travel. And I I feel like it's something that just gets forgotten as soon as kickoff starts. So I don't let that really influence my decision at all. And last week I said that I am going to go against the Dolphins for at least the first few weeks against Tua. It's a rookie. It's a big spot. It's a good Rams team that we just saw play football. The Dolphins have had a few big wins this year, and I think that's what's making this line so close. But ultimately, I don't think the Dolphins are a great football team or, you know, I don't think they're going to be in the playoffs at all. And this is definitely a playoff team. I mean, I think they're going to be challenging for a, a Super Bowl. Uh, they have a chance for sure. So I'll definitely take the Rams here minus three and a half. Spence, we're opposite here. I think Brian Flores is going to show how good a coach he is off a of bye. I think Tua Tonga Viola is going to have that extra week to prepare. I think that's going to fire up his teammates. The crowd mm-hmm. that will be there will be fired up. And I think this short weekend travel will affect the Rams, who can be stagnant at times. We saw it against the Giants. Uh, I think they're stagnant this week, and I think they lose. I think they lose wow. outright. And the Dolphins are my money line play of the week. I'm going to take the Dolphins plus mm-hmm. the three and a half. Tua gets his first win as a rookie at home uh, coming off a bye. And the Dolphins are flying high after this win, talking playoffs. Next matchup, Spence, the New Orleans Saints, they're going to travel to Soldier Field to take on the Bears. Saints will be sitting at a four-and-a-half-point road favorite against Chicago. The Bears, uh, we know how inconsistent they are. Some fans and media likes are clamoring for Trubisky to be back in the lineup. Statistically, he's a little bit better at yards per play, points per game in the lineup than Nick Foles. Uh, the Saints, we don't know if they'll have Michael Thomas or Emmanuel Sanders back. That'll be Those will be key uh key guys if they're back and spencer are you saying neither neither of them will be available from, this week yeah from what i understand both of them are out emmanuel sanders got COVID 19 so he's going to be for sure out and uh michael thomas is questionable for week eight and this is week seven so he's out for this week and he's questionable uh, Spence, i hate not having those two in there you you go first on this one spence i feel confident in this line i think the bears cover i know nick Foles isn't everyone's favorite quarterback but he is two and two as their starter he's had a few good games and the Saints aren't that good. I still don't understand why people are so high on them. They barely beat a Panthers team that's average at best, given it's a it's a divisional matchup. But the thing that is going to be the key in this game is the Bears are good defensively. I think it's good. I think it gets shuffled into the fold so much so often. And without those two weapons, they should be able to contain their offense enough to at least cover the spread, which is a pretty big spread. Uh, Spence, you know how I feel about the Bears, uh, but not having Michael Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. We texted last week, and I immediately regretted my Saints pick. Those guys are huge on that offense. They are not the same without them. And unless you're going to find a way to get Taysom Hill 15, 20 touches, I think he's that important. I think he can be, although he hasn't shown it this year. Uh, The Bears are still tough at home. Uh, I probably will regret regret this. I'm not going to put my own money behind it because I'm done with that, with the Bears. But for the show and the number and not having your two biggest weapons, I'm going to go ahead and take the Bears plus the four and a half. Spence, another divisional matchup in the next ma- in the next game. The 49ers, who have won a few in a row here, travel to Seattle to take on the Seahawks, who lost a heartbreaking game last Sunday night on the road against the Cardinals as they led for the most part of that game. Seattle is a different team at home, even though there's not full crowd. They're going to be a three-point favorite in this matchup. Spence, I think we're going to be on the same side because I think the 49ers also ride this hot streak. I love Kyle Shanahan as a coach, and we know the holes in that Seattle defense. And look, Russell Wilson, who in my opinion is the MVP and a top three quarterback without a doubt in this league, had some key interceptions in last week's game, I think the 49ers cover this number. I'll take the Niners plus three. Yeah, I'm in agreement. This is my underdog play of the week. The reality is that the Seahawks have basically no talent defensively. They let Clowney go. And I really can't think of any other key players. I mean, they have, um, you know, the the linebacker who's fantastic and everything. But they've, yeah, they've, they've just given up so many points this year. And they're... You know, the 49ers were so beat up in the beginning of the season. I think it's easy to forget how good they were last season and why they made the Super Bowl. I actually see no reason they can't actually challenge for another Super Bowl this year as long as. I'll take the 49ers right here in the spot as well with you. 
Yes, yeah, Spence, we're uh, we're aligned right there. I, I think the 49ers have a chance to win. Any game you pick against Seattle and Russell Wilson's a tough game, but I can promise you, I, I see it year in and year out, especially in this division, whether it's Cardinals, Seahawks, Cardinals, Niners, Niners, Seahawks, these divisional games in the NFC West are so close. And that's why this number's three. And uh, and it could come and it'll probably come down to one possession again, one way or the other. Uh, in a putrid division, Spence, the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys, who no Dak Prescott may be without Andy Dalton travel uh, to Lincoln Financial to take on the Eagles. This is going to be the biggest favorite the Eagles will be all year. Nine point favorites for the Eagles. The Eagles haven't shown they can beat anybody by nine points. I'm a little torn on this one, Spence. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Eagles minus nine against the uh, injury riddled Cowboys. Yeah, we've had matchups like this where in this division where we're like, this team's clearly better than the other one and it ends up being a close game, especially with the Giants. That Giants-Eagle game like has to be an indication of what could be here. Oh, man. I just, if Andy Dalton plays, they for sure cover the nine points in my mind. If he doesn't, it gets really dicey. The Cowboys have the definitive worst defense in the league but it's a divisional game. Oh, I've already regretted taking the Cowboys. This is tough. I'll let you go first. I really can't decide. Yeah, Spence, uh, I'm going to regret this too, but the number's too big for me in division. I'm going to take the Cowboys plus nine. I'm going to go with the analysis that regardless who's the quarterback, Zeke Elliott uh, writes his wrongs with the fumbling, and uh, he gets 25-plus carries, and he hangs on to the ball, and he's able to keep this game close. I think the Cowboys obviously want to control the clock, keep that defense off the field. Of course, they don't want to put a young quarterback in a position to make too many mistakes, but that's why I think you got to simplify this game plan and this matchup. We know these division games are down and dirty. There's no reason that the Cowboys can't give a heavy dose of Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard out of the backfield, mix it up a little bit. And then mix in some play action game and, and try to keep this game low scoring and within one score. Uh, they definitely don't want to have a bunch of three and outs, Spence. So they've got to be creative here, Keller Moore, uh, on the offensive game plan here. Uh, and if they don't have Dalton, we, we've seen how bad they've been. So when you're that bad, you've got to do something different. And, and I say they rely on Zeke Elliott. He is their workhorse. He has not been great since he got the contract, but we know he can be good. So I, And Tony Pollard's a really, really good backup running back. So I think you want to lean heavy on the run. Uh, and I think the Cowboys want to try to keep this close and hoping their defense uh, can force Carson uh, Carson Wentz into some turnovers. I'm going to take the Cowboys regrettably plus a nine. Yeah, I'll agree with you. It's just the line's too big. I don't think it, most divisional games are never this close. The only exception would be like the Chiefs-Broncos game, and that's just because the Chiefs are that good. I don't think the Eagles are a great team by anyone's standards. I, I doubt. Yeah, like I doubt they can beat any team by nine points, especially someone who they face twice a year. Spence, another divisional matchup. The uh, the AFC West has the Chargers traveling to Denver to take on the Broncos. The Chargers will be a three-point road favorite in this one. Uh, and I know the Chargers look good under Justin Herbert and the Broncos looked really bad. But remember a couple weeks ago, the Broncos got a big win against the Patriots. Uh, I know the Broncos are hot and cold. I think they're better at home. And I think they have a good effort in a Chargers team I'm not ready to trust to be favorites. We saw them cover last week, but it was not easy against the Jacksonville team who led late in that third quarter. I'm going to take the Broncos plus the three. I have too much confidence in the Chargers defense now. I, I think they gain a lot of momentum. I'm still not sold on Drew Locke. Everyone, it feels like everyone's pushing him to be something greater than he is. Didn't look great against the Chiefs. Keep in mind the Raiders took advantage of the Chiefs defense. So if that's an indication of anything, this is too short of a line for me. I like the Chargers in the spot. I think they win at least by by at least a touchdown. So we're going to go opposite here. Yeah, Spence, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm just not ready to trust the Chargers as favorites yet. And I think Denver uh, is really – they're so inconsistent, so it's tough um, to go with them. But at home, I think they play a big game in division. Um, so we'll see how that one plays out. Spence, the next game, we've got two left on the board. Many will think is going to be the game of the week. The undefeated Steelers travel to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Uh, that being said, the Steelers are an underdog being undefeated. The Ravens are a four-point favorite in this matchup. Spence, do you want to start this one off? 
the Steelers can shut down the run. We saw it, and Derrick Henry did not run all over them. I said it was going to be one way or the other. So clearly they have the ability to force to force quarterbacks to pass the ball and you know, it worked for the most part until the very end of that game when Ryan Tannehill really got hot. But I think Ryan Tannehill is a better passer than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, I think, is just I mean, he did win MVP. I, I know that, but still, he's he's been asked to show up big in one spot this season because they haven't played anyone good yet, other than the Chiefs. And he had 90 passing yards. Now, I think he'll have more than 90 passing yards against the Steelers. It's a divisional matchup and stuff, but I think the Steelers win this game outright. Uh, Spence, uh, you know, you, you called it. You called it when you hosted the show when I was out. You know how I feel about some teams, and, and I, they keep winning. They keep winning, but I'm going to stand by uh, what I think about Ben Roethlisberger and this team. Uh, they're overrated. They're not as good defensively as we'd like to think. Uh, they will lose their first playoff game, whether it's in the first round or whether they get a bye. I'm telling, I'm making that call now. And I think they get their first loss of the season to the Ravens. I think the Ravens win by 10-plus points. If you're doing a pleaser ticket, take the Ravens. I think the Ravens blow them out. Uh, and we'll see who's right on this game. I, I think it's, I'm excited, Spence, to go head-to-head with you on this one because you know how I feel again about the Steelers. And uh, I, I think some of those prognostications come true this week. Um, I believe that their hot streak comes to an end, and I think they free-fall a little bit starting here. I think they may lose two out of three, three out of four here in the next four weeks. I'm going to take the Ravens minus the four in this one. Uh, Spence, the last game on the card this week, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are playing hot right now, should have uh, should have Antonio Brown in the lineup this week. And Bruce Arians saying that he looks great. They're traveling to New York to take on the Giants. Spence, this looks like an easy one on the board, so I'm going to let you start it off. Tampa Bay, minus 12.5 against the Giants. You said 12.5? 12.5. Wow, that's a big line. The Giants have come up in a big spread before. I just can't see it happening now. Jones is for sure going to have like two turnovers if he doesn't trip on his own feet before he does. Gosh, Antonio Brown, they're saying he looks great in practice. I don't buy into all that either. I don't even think Antonio Brown will be a big factor in this game. I think that's all hoo-ha. But even if they didn't have Antonio Brown, we know what they can do offensively. They picked apart a bad... Raiders defense and the Giants defense, I think, is even worse. Yeah, I just feel like you got to take the Bucks here. There's no way I have I can take the Giants in this spot. Spence, I told you I was going to have a, a surprise of the week, and I don't know why, but for some reason, I feel like the Giants just are going to find a way against good teams to keep it close. They did it against the Rams. They did it against the Eagles, who I don't know if are any good, and I think they did it the week before that. They kept these games uh, within one score. I don't know how they do it. I, I, I do like Daniel Jones, though. A lot of people gave him a hard time about him fumbling or not fumbling, tripping on his 80-yard run. I don't know. I have no logic. I think the Giants stink. I've said it from the beginning of the year. I think the Bucs are a way better team. Uh, and I don't know why I want to go with the Giants here and torture myself because they should get beat by 20, 30 points. But for some reason, the double digits appeal to me, and I'm going to take the Giants plus the 12 and a half. Yeah, I, I don't know why you would do that, but that's probably <laughs> gonna, this this will be the equivalent to the Saints game that you took last week against the Panthers. Yeah, so uh, the sports niece is chiming in. She's saying that she needs the Giants to keep losing and beat the the Jets in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Is she a Giants fan? I didn't know her to be a Giants fan, uh, but she wants Daniel Danny Dimes out of there. Uh, and to put Trevor Lawrence in. Look, Danny Dimes, it wasn't his fault that uh, the Giants lost against the Eagles. He threw a dime to Evan Ingram on that last Thursday night game, and Evan Ingram dropped it. That was the game right there. I, I don't know how the heck they let the Eagles find a way to come back and win, but they did. So I think the Giants keep it close. Uh, I don't really think that. I don't know why I'm taking it, Spencer. I don't really think they're going to keep it close, but I'm just not ready to lay 12 and a half with many teams. Uh, I didn't do it this week with the Chiefs. I'm not going to do it with the Bucs. So we've got quite a few opposite there, Spence. We'll see how it shakes out. Uh, look, if you missed any part of the show, please download the Twitch app or go to www.twitch.tv slash Football. Make sure you like uh, Chris Landry Football and then search the pod, the rest stop. And you know, give us a like, give us a comment, any of the podcast platforms. 
you want to go to. Google Podcast, Spotify, Audio Boom, whichever you like. Make sure you search Landry Football Conference Call and then search the rest of uh, Because of the presidential election, we will be on Tuesday, but it'll be a pre-recorded version of the rest stop pre-recorded version on Tuesday, but make sure you tune in. We will recap our Sunday picks. Uh, I hope everybody has a happy Halloween and is safe out there. Uh, be safe. Enjoy yourself. Have a great weekend for Spencer the Wiz. I'm Brad the Believer. We'll see you guys back on Anatomy of an Ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.